Welcome to Trinity. We're a church family learning how to follow Jesus in the city of Nottingham. Our vision is to see the church on fire and the city alive. Good morning, church. Our reading uh, today is taken from uh, Hebrews 6, verses 13 through 20. The certainty of God's promise. When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. People swear by someone greater than themselves, and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all argument. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner, Jesus, has entered on our behalf. He has become for us a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Can invite up Mark. How how many members of Trinity Church staff does it take to move a table? Is what I was going to say if I was on. I am on. I'm going to say again the words that I've said before from this place when I was wrong last time. It's not my fault that it's wrong. It was my fault last time. Luke wants me to tell you that. Should we just do this one? Is that better? We'll see if we can get the other one working by the time I have to hold stuff. Um, as I was sat listening to Joe trying to, trying to tell you about the updates and I could hear the burble of children in the background, I was trying to formulate a witty put down that would let everyone know that you don't have to feel bad about the fact you have kids but it's quiet time now. And then I heard my own children and I decided I should move very quickly on. <laughs> Wonderful. Stalled long enough, clearly. On we go. Happy New Year, everybody. (laughs) Happy New Year. And congratulations to you for making it to church this morning. You're a faithful remnant. Is anyone still going from New Year's Eve? A sensible remnant as well. Not just faithful, but sensible. You all went to sleep. It's a joy to be with you this morning. Um, So the other night... Um, Ellie and I went out to celebrate her birthday. Her birthday falls into that awkward gap between Christmas and New Year where no one knows what day it is. 
No one knows what's going on. No one knows what data is if you're me. You don't know whether you're coming or going. It's really easy for it to disappear into the melee, especially if your organizational skills are not the best and you end up trying to buy last-minute presents. And especially if you get sick like we did this year. But don't worry, I soldiered on. And I think she still had a decent birthday. Don't ask her afterwards. It'd be a shame for her to have to lie in church to protect my ego. But as we sat staring into each other's eyes, falling in love once again over a shared dessert, as you do on these occasions, I asked her a question. Would you like the rest of the chocolate fondue? I did ask that, and I can report that she took it. It was her birthday, after all, not mine. I shouldn't have asked if I didn't want to offer it. But the question that I asked her that I'm more interested in this morning was, what are you hoping for in the new year? I want to ask you that question this morning. It was all one elaborate setup. What are you hoping for in the new year? Perhaps you've set out some New Year's resolutions. Perhaps you're avoiding all talk of New Year's resolutions. Well, for Ellie and I, the question about hopes opened out pretty quickly into a conversation about life and love and family and work and everything because 2022 was a really big year for us and 2023 shows no signs of slowing down. Newcastle, after all, are currently sitting third, third in the Premier League. Someone that plays for Newcastle was at the World Cup playing for Brazil. Life is made. I know, we can hope for a Champions League place. If you support the other magpies that are more local, I'm very sorry for you. 2022 might have been a big year for you, and it might not, but it's easy to think about the future when a new year is sitting in front of you, waiting to be lived. And as Ellie and I thought and talked, I was reminded of this image from Scripture that somehow doesn't feel quite right to me. The image of having hope as an anchor. Let me read to you again Hebrews 6 verse 19. It says, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul. Think about that for a minute. Think about that phrase for a minute. Hope as an anchor. I have two pictures for you. And this is my nod to the fact that there are children in the room. We're going to play spot the difference. It's not actually as difficult as it sounds. Don't worry. Um, So I want you to have a look at this first image. What do you think that is? An anchor. Well done, everyone. It's going well, right? (laughs) Now, I want to show you a second picture, and I want you to tell me what you think of when you see this. Hope, thank you. Someone read anchored in hope off the first slide. Well done. That's brilliant. This is what hope looks like according to my Google search. This is the first result. Now, let's play spot the difference. Or shall we play maybe spot the similarity? Hello, mate. It's overwhelming, isn't it? There's more difference than similarity here. Look at that anchor, that hefty chunk of slightly rusty metal on the end of a whopping great chain that's so heavy duty, not even Popeye the Sailor Man is lifting it. Look at that delicate flower, an ephemeral slice of floral beauty captured on its best day before promptly wilting. I think I've ruined it. Hope has turned to despair and we're not even 12 hours in. That's what you came to church for, right? 
The second image in the Google search for hope was even more revealing, even more fleeting. This is hope mark two, according to Google. In case you're not sure what you're seeing there, that's hope scribbled in the sand, about to be obliterated by the kind of frothy excuse for a wave that really wouldn't remotely trouble the anchor of the first image. I don't know how these images strike you. I don't know if you pick up on this phrase in scripture the way that I do, if it's all in my head. But the idea of being anchored by hope feels like an odd one to me. Anchors are these solid, heavy, weighty things. But hope, hope feels light and airy and far from the kind of certain solidity conveyed by a massive metal anchor or even the kind of large stones fishermen in Galilee are more likely to have used. Feels like a clash of ideas. And I think when you encounter that in Scripture, it's usually an invitation to explore. So I want to explore with you this idea of being anchored in hope. And I want to look at the movement of hope, the orientation of hope, and the reality of hope. Movement, orientation, reality. There is more this morning. Okay, it's not that funny. But first question, what does an anchor do? So it might not surprise you to learn that the Encyclopedia Britannica, better than Wikipedia, defines an anchor as a device, usually of metal, attached to a ship or boat by a cable or chain, lowered to the seabed to hold the vessel in a particular particular place by means of a fluke or pointed projection that digs into the sea bottom. Now, I didn't know that the spikes were called flukes, and I'm not sure how I feel about being held in place by fluke, but... Beyond that, so far, so good. Anchors are like big, heavy metal handbrakes for boats, right? They enter the water, they drop to the bottom, and if you're lucky, a fluke sticks into something, they keep you in a particular place. But if you look at Hebrews 6 again, you'll notice a very different movement in the verse. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. Anchors, metal anchors, maritime anchors are firm and secure because they sink and they hopefully don't move. In Hebrews 6, hope is like an anchor because it's firm and secure, but it isn't necessarily like an anchor because it sinks and then doesn't move. Actually, hope moves differently. This hope anchor is dynamic. It's going somewhere. Where's it going? It's going with Jesus into God's very presence. Entering God's presence isn't like being lowered to the bottom of the sea. It's a move upwards or forwards. It's a move into something better where Jesus goes ahead of you on your behalf to claim a place for you because he's our forerunner. He's the person that goes in front of us. And when Jesus gets to this place, when he goes through the curtain, he lives to intercede for you as a high priest, making it possible for God and his people to live in relationship. That's where Jesus is now. It's only a week since he was in the manger. I took it away this morning. But that's where he is now. And the two are linked. 
Because Christmas is about God coming to us in Christ. And that is the eternal movement of God. That's what God is always doing. God is giving himself to his creation in love. It's what he's done from eternity and continues to do into eternity. It's all one big mystery because this is who God is. God continually gives of himself for you and me to draw us into the relationship of the triune God. There's nothing in God that he could show you that is different to that because that's what God is. God's got nothing in himself that isn't himself to reveal. His every single action moves in this direction to draw you behind that curtain, to draw you. That's the movement of this hope. It draws you. It draws you into God's love. It's the opposite of being driven. The opposite of being driven by anxiety, by ambition, by greed, by the need to have enough, to do enough, to be enough. And ultimately, in whatever form, being driven by fear. Fear drives, but love draws. And hope is love applied to the future. That's why it's a good thing that the hope this writer is talking about is not simply an anchor that you can drop in place, that it moves, it has this movement. But you see, boats need anchors not just so that they don't drift. Anchors also keep them pointing the right way. I learned something new from the Transport Safety Authority of Victoria. Transport Safety Victoria. Anchoring a vessel, anchoring may keep the vessel safely positioned head on to heavy conditions. This is because boats' bows, that's the front, for those who don't know, like me, uh, they're designed to cope with waves in a way that their sterns, that's the back, are not. Hope is like an anchor because it keeps you and me facing in the right direction. Head on to heavy weather, apparently. This dynamic hope that enters the inner sanctuary and draws you with it, it's what keeps you oriented rightly. It's what keeps you pointing in the right direction. Specifically, it keeps you pointing towards Jesus. Keeps you pointing through the curtain towards the love of God that is eternal life and which you're invited into even now as we live and move and have our being in the thickening web of God's love because that's what is actually real. See, it's not inevitable that things will fall apart. It's easy to think differently as you look at the news or the bank statement, or the NHS letter, or the court summons. But it's not inevitable that things will fall apart. In fact, it's inevitable that God will reconcile all things in Christ. That God will make all things new, including you. Whose resurrection means I will rise as we've sung. It's inevitable that death is swallowed up in victory says Paul, which is why it can still make sense for Job to say, even though he slays me, I will hope in him. This is a fundamentally different orientation. Your destination is glory. 
In The Great Divorce, C.S. Lewis has an angel speak about this idea, and they say this, that is what mortals misunderstand. They say of some temporal suffering, no future bliss can make up for it, not knowing that heaven, once attained, will work backwards and turn even that agony into a glory. We sometimes sing a song here that has this line in it. Your blood has set me free, my history redeemed. With every breath I have, I thank you, Jesus. Your history will be redeemed. It is being redeemed. Heaven will work backwards. That is what's inevitable. We have this hope as an anchor. It has gone through the curtain. It has seen the other side. That's why it can keep you just like an anchor keeps a boat. Head on to the trouble. Because instead of spinning through fight, flight, and freeze responses, it enables you to stand in the grace of God and to face whatever it is that's coming your way. Hope can do this because it anchors you towards the reality of God's love. Hope's real. At the dawning of this new year, You and I, we're called to live against this horizon, to live in this reality. You and I were called to be anchored in hope, tethered into that future which doesn't just hold us steady in storms, but that actively draws us into its own orbit and makes it possible to face trouble. See, that's why it matters that your living hope is not just the biggest, heaviest thing in your boat with a rope tied onto it that you throw in, hoping it will help you stay stable, whether it's your family or your job or the fact that you live here in this house. Whatever it is that you think is the most stable thing in your life, it's not enough. You need something more than just the most solid thing you can conjure up from the materials on your boat. And actually, there's good news in Hebrews because your hope is outside of you. All the verses leading up to this idea of being anchored in hope, having hope as an anchor, they show you that your hope is in God's promise. And God's promise is his word. And God's word is Jesus. So your hope is Jesus. Your living hope is a person, not an idea. You don't live based on thoughts, ideas, and words. This hope isn't just a psychological trick to make you feel better by changing your perspective. It's an invitation to live your future based on a different reality. God. The love that is God and that is drawing you. This is important. This is real. This is not just some idea. I'm not just stringing sentences together. This is not just a matter of words. It's not psychological. It's not a matter of shifting your perspective. This is about reality. This is about power. Christoph Blumhart puts it really provocatively. Let me read you this quote. Are you living the reality of Jesus Christ? Have you placed yourself under the authority that has been given to him for you and for all people. Can you really grasp this? Can you accept it? Can you take it into your life? Can you let it guide your whole life, even in the midst of the deepest suffering? Unless you do this, you have no business striving after the kingdom of God. 
For what is God's kingdom anyway? God's kingdom is the power of God. It is the rulership of God. God's kingdom is the revelation of the divine life here on earth. The birth of new hearts, new minds, new feelings, new possibilities. This, I think, is what it means to be anchored in hope. To look into the future and to live into the reality of Jesus Christ. Trusting that he himself has made a way and gone through the curtain and he beckons you. And more than that, that he himself has actually taken hold of you and is drawing you into that loving union with God in which your deepest desires will be fulfilled. So as you and I stand here at the threshold of 2023, how do we do this? How do you live the reality of Jesus Christ? Christoph Blumhart doesn't just tell you to do it. He has some advice. He says this, so then watch. Watch and be joyful. Even though fear may overcome you, watch. Something of the Savior's future will enter into your life. We depend on this coming of the Savior. All our thinking and living comes to life by the very fact that we are allowed to expect such great things, things that will finally lead to true life. Hope is renewed watchfulness. It receives this present moment, this present day, convinced that the signs of God's loving kindness are there to be seen by those who will look and convinced that the brokenness is evidence that God is still working, not proof that he's given up. Hope watches and it waits for the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob to weave stories of his blessing in the lives of his people by bringing real healing and real wholeness. The kind that doesn't get rid of Jesus' scars, but works backwards to turn even that agony into glory. So as you walk into this year, I want to encourage you, I want to invite you to be anchored in hope. Because as Paul writes in Romans 5, hope does not put us to shame. Hope does not disappoint us, different translation. Hope will not put you to shame. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Be anchored in hope. Be drawn into the reality of God's love instead of driven by what you need to do, achieve, be by the immensity of what it is that you might face. Stop playing that game and watch. Watch and be joyful. Watch where God is at work and join in with that. Watch for the agony where his glory is ready to break through. Watch and join in. Trust that he's drawing you and that you can risk yourself with him. Because he is faithful. Take your daily life and live it as a prophetic act. Following the spirit wherever it blows. Because that's your anchor. You're drawn into his love. We have this hope. 
It's this which is an anchor for your soul. It doesn't put us to shame because the Spirit is already in us. As we respond, we're going to come to his table. But I want to encourage us. We have an opportunity in this moment to be a family. Um, to be families and to be a family. Um, so I want to encourage you to take a few minutes to bring your lives to God. And we're going to do this not in silence, as I often would and in, as is my want, but we've got a backing track of children, so it would be lovely to have a burble of adults as well. I'd love you to speak with the people around you, to include the kids if that works, maybe not if they're in, immersed in activities. But to turn to the people around you, talk about one hope and one fear for the year ahead. Share something of yourself and maybe begin to pray for one another. Begin to pray for one another for this year ahead to think about what it means for us to be anchored in hope. So you're going to have a couple of minutes to do that and then we will come to God's table together as a family. So turn to the people next to you. One hope, one fear, pray for one another.